from six feet above Toledo, Ohio. This is the 222 Paranormal Podcast with your host, Jen and Joe. I'm so glad we're above and not below for the moment. Hi, Joey, my brother. Brother from the same mother. What is shaking? Uh, let's see. Um, I don't know. I'm really <laughs> tired today. I'm working so hard. I can't take it. I need a vacation, a giant cocktail, $4 million, and a foot rub. <laughs> <laughs> but who doesn't, right? I got a shout out first off. I want to shout out to Rachel Rutt. It is Rachel's birthday today. Happy birthday to you. Facebook told me. Yes. It's birthday, so. We have lots of birthdays. Oh, and also happy birthday to Robert Libras, the lead singer of the music that you yes. guys are intro music. Dead and Five is the band. They're out of Detroit. They're amazing. You must check them out. Go to their website, buy their merch, and tell them you heard their music on our podcast. Yeah, send them out a sh- send them a shout out. Yeah, they're great on Facebook. Yeah, it's awesome. All their music that we or all the music we play on the show is from Dead and Five, Crud, and Sixty Second Crush. Yep, little Detroit rock and roll to just pump Heck you up. Yeah, pump you up. It's about that time. Okay, <laughs> so weird, weird things. Weird you know, time I like at Jen's house. Update our. Beautiful Weekly listeners. weird from Jen's house. You beautiful, beautiful listeners. I see you sitting there in your underwear listening to our podcast. <laughs> Hopefully not in your car. <laughs> well, heck. <laughs> to each his own, right? Heck yeah. Um, okay, I was sitting there last night and I had the TV up was on and I had the light off. And so I was just, you know, watching. I was watching Stranger Things. I don't know if you guys are watching that, but like I just discovered it. I like I've been living under a rock apparently because they haven't been watching it. Um, I'm in season four and it's amazing. And I saw a black shadow twice. Really? Twice. And the first time it zoomed by at my feet. And I was like, okay, wait, but wait, huh? Wait, 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 wait. What was that? And then the second time, it was kind of big in front of the TV, and I was like, okay, maybe my eyes are playing tricks on me. But it was just the weirdest feeling. It was just like when we saw the shadow in the yeah. house. Um, it was kind of like that. And then I started recording on my phone, and I um, didn't capture anything but a bunch of dust. <laughs> <laughs> orbs! Oh, my God, I got orbs. Orbs are demons. Orbs are farts. No. Um <laughs> I am in the weirdest mood today. <laughs> I am just like, you can tell my my voice is going. I've been having really strange dreams. I'm not getting enough sleep. I don't drink enough water. I live on Diet Mountain Dew and chips. And um, I, need a, I need a break, Joey. We need to like just get in the car and drive to see St. Marie, Michigan and jump in Lake Michigan, right? I we can wait. in a few weeks. We got Michigan Paracon coming up. Yes, I hope you guys are all going because it's amazing. Amazing times. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. It is. And if you go, I have a restaurant recommendation. As you know, I talked about every single year because my favorite, favorite food is at the Palace Saloon. Firecrackers. It's an appetizer. Just get it. I'm not going to tell you <laughs> what it is, but it's delish. It's the best thing I ever eat. Okay, I'm with the show, Joe. Anything weird in your world before no, we start talking about no. really weird, weird, weird stuff? Nothing. Okay. The festival's going on across the street, so. I know, I'm 
missing the poker tournament right now to tape this podcast. That's the dedication I have to our <laughs> listeners as I'm missing a poker tournament to be here with you. I love you guys. Not apparently as much as I love poker. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's always fun, though, because, you know, Joe gets to hear polka music until like 1230 polka on at Sunday. night. No, Sunday polka. If they Just have, sit on my front porch and listen to polka music. If they have kibasa, I'm going. Yes. Yeah. That's delish. All day. I could eat that all day. <laughs> I don't know why I'm just on random. <laughs> I did. Rabbit uh, holes today. <laughs> I did a radio interview last night ah. on uh, Black Swamp Radio Network. Nice. Yeah. It was It was a good show. It, yeah. It was really good. I, I did really good. I'm good a, for I you. Was, I was a You're really a big celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> you have your 30 seconds of fame. Yeah. With Tramp. Mm-hmm. Arizona well. Tramp. So, as you know, we love conspiracy theories. We oh. love time travel. Um, we love teleportation, stuff like that. And this <laughs> is all wrapped up in one. We're talking about the Philadelphia Experiment. I've honestly never heard of it until you uh, told me about it. And, you know, there's so many out there, mm-hmm. right? Like, I... um started researching this i was like this is really bizarre and this is a true story so allegedly allegedly yeah we have to throw that in so we don't get sued and the government doesn't show up and listen in i hope the men in black do show up at my door because they better be 51 and single if they are showing up on my front door (laughs) (laughs) joe needs a woman in black right like (laughs) i don't know what it like Blonde hair, redhead. Oh, Joe uh, likes redhead, yeah. so she's got to be redhead. Okay, so this is uh, an alleged claimed event um, that had been witnessed by an ex-merchant mariner, and his name was Carl M. Allen. Now, he was at the United States Navy Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA. Now, this happened sometime around October 28th in 1943. Allen described the experiment where the U.S. Navy attempted to render invisible the destroyer escort U.S. Eldridge and the bizarre results that followed. The story first um, came about in late 1955 when Allen sent a book full of handwritten annotations referring to the experiment he sent this to the, a Navy researcher, U.S. Navy researcher, and a little later, a series of letters making further claims to a UFO book writer. Yeah. Now, his account, Alan's account of the event is widely understood to be a hoax, but several different and sometimes contradictory versions of the alleged experiments have circulated over the years in paranormal literature and popular movies. Now, the U.S. Navy maintains that there's no such experiments that was ever conducted, and details of the story contradict well-established facts about the USS Eldridge. And the physics the experiment is claimed to be based on is non-existent. Now, of course, the government's going to do Yeah, they're not going to They're not going to come out and say, yeah, 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 yeah. We're trying to make everything invisible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, the origins of the story come about um, when the Philadelphia Experiment originated in the late 1955. So Carl Allen, he had sent an anonymous package marked Happy Easter, containing a copy of Morris K. Jessup's book, The Case 
for the UFO. Unidentified flying objects to the U.S. Naval Office of Research. So it's the U.S. Office of Naval Research. I think that's how it says. Um, the book was filled with handwritten notes in its margins, written with three different shades of blue ink, appearing to detail a debate among three individuals, only one who was given a name, Jemmy, J-E-M-I. Now, they had commented on Jessup's ideas about the propulsion for flying saucers. They discussed alien races and really expressed concern that Jessup was too close to discovering their technology. So shortly thereafter, in January of 1956, Alan began sending a series of letters to Jessup using his given name as well as Carlos Carlos Miguel Aliande. Aliande. Do you like my accent? The first known letter was warning Jessup not to investigate the levitation of unidentified flying objects. Now, Alan put forward a story of dangerous science based upon unpublished theories by Albert Einstein. He further claimed a scientist named Franklin Reno put these theories into practice at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in October of 1943. So we're talking, what, like seven, like maybe 14, 15 years later. So Allen had claimed to have witnessed this experiment while serving aboard the SF's Andrew Furuthess, Furuseth. <laughs> say that five times fast, right? Um, in Alan's account, the destroyer escort, it's a ship, right? Um, it's a smaller ship that escorts the larger ships. So just successfully made invisible. But the ship inexplicably teleported to Norfolk, Virginia for several minutes, then reappeared in the Philadelphia Yard. Now, the ship's crew was supposed to have suffered from various side effects from this happening. It include insanity, intangibility, and being, quote-unquote, frozen in place. Now, when Jessup wrote back, requesting more information to collaborate the story, Alan said his memory would have been uh, to be recovered, and Jessup referred to what seemed to be a non-existent Philadelphia newspaper article that Alan claimed covered the incident. So in 1957, Jessup was invited to the Office of Naval Research where he was shown the annotated copy of his book. Jessup noticed the handwriting of the annotations and resembled the letters he had received from Allen. So he's kind of putting the two and two together here. Two officers at the ONR, Captain Sidney Sherby and Commander George W. Hoover, took personal interest in the matter. Hoover later explained that his duties as a special projects officer required him to investigate multiple publications and that ultimately he had found nothing to substantiate the alleged invisibility experiment. Now, Hoover discussed the annotations with Austin and Stanton, president of Varro Manufacturing Corporation of Garland, Texas, during meetings about Varro's contact contract work for ONR. 
Stanton became so interested that Varro's office began producing mimeographed copies of Jessup's books with the annotations in Allen's letters. First a dozen and then eventually 127 copies were made. Now these copies became known as the Varro edition because, I'm sorry, besides noting the handwriting of the individual named Jemmy, addressed as such by the others and using blue-violet ink. The anonymous introduction to the Varro edition includes that there were two other individuals making annotations, Mr. A, identified by Alan as Jessup, in blue ink, and Mr. B, in blue-green ink. Now, Jessup tried to publish more books on the subject of UFOs, but he was unsuccessful. Losing his publisher and experiencing a succession of downturns, his personal life led him to take his own life in Florida, April 30th, 1959. Now, various book writers who tried to get more information from Carl Allen had found his responsive elusive or couldn't find him at all. Now, one reporter from Allen's hometown in New Kensington, Pennsylvania, interviewed his family and was handed a pile of documents and books, all scribbled with Allen's annotations. Now, they described Allen as a fantastic mind, but he was also a drifter and a master leg puller. What do you think a about that? A master leg puller? That's what I want to be. <laughs> I think we are here. This is what we're doing <laughs> this podcast right now. I'm just kidding. Um, but it's so interesting because they say that the, the ship did have these huge generators built into the ship. Okay. And it was when they turned the generators on is when this supposedly happened. They said witnesses saw lightning on the ship, and then the ship was involved or in, engulfed in a green fog. Weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's when it disappeared and then reappeared in the other port. Now, they said that when it reappeared in the other port, it was actually 10 minutes earlier. Weird. So if that was the case, wouldn't the other port say, hey, all of a sudden a ship showed up here? And like... Why did it just happen to show up and, and not like be on top of another ship or yeah. somewhere? You know what I mean? So was this a smoke and mirrors type thing? Could be, you know, and I got so many theories because like when you, the whole reason they were doing this, they said that the whole reason they were doing this is to get rid of the German mine detection. Okay. German mines were designed to work on magnetism when a certain, they call it Gauss. When a certain level of magnetism gets around a mine, it explodes. And that's how they determine that if a ship gets close enough, the mines will go off. So what this experiment was supposed to do was make it invisible, in quotations, to the mines. And how this worked was they generated a giant magnetic field around the ship that would make it invisible to mines. And they said that when it actually turned it on it disappeared and reappeared at this other so shipyard cool. so it basically did become invisible and so let me see okay so that was um 1943 okay so that was 79 years ago yeah so anybody who would have been on that ship at the youngest would say they would 18, have to be a baby <laughs> So they'd be in their 90s. So yeah. everybody, anything probably older than that is probably not around. Mm-hmm. So 
it would be very interesting to see if you could get like the shipper's roster and see if any of the anybody's still around. But yeah. the thing is, they said that a lot of the crew members never reappeared. <gasps> Some crew members were fused into the metal ship itself and were screaming and died in agony. Um, but I would think that if that was the case, there would be remnants of that. The ship was eventually taken over to Greece mm-hmm. and sold as scrap. But if you were had a ship that was involved in such a huge experiment, would they just take it over to a different country and scrap it? Yeah, that sounds, sounds a little suspect. <laughs> and another person has came out and said that the ship was never even in the naval shipyard at that time. Oh, wow. But it's the military. Who knows? Right. I mean, any anything is possible, right? Mm-hmm. There could have been who knows what kind of experiments yeah. going on there and... Who's to say that, you know, if you lost 10 members, it wasn't just, oh, there was a, you know, it's 1943 and we're in war and and they just. Missing in action. Yeah. So. It would be interesting to see if you could get the roster and see, like, what their status is. Mm -hmm. But they, so they turned on these big generators and witnesses did, did say that they saw sparks like lightning. They saw green fog envelop the ship. Well. I'm thinking, you know, a green fog is actually a common thing when you put out that much electricity. You know, it's it's a plasma that oh, okay. people have seen stuff like this, like St. Elmo's Fire. It's, that's where the old tall ships used to see lightning and that come from their mast because static electricity. Now, it's not as big, mm-hmm. but it's a true thing. Now, there was another thing, another um, weird occurrence, and I think it was called St. Elmo's Fire also. A guy at work was talking about it, that he used to fly in the Navy. And as they're flying, they would see a green ball appear in the airplane mm-hmm. and travel to the back of the airplane. And they said, if you touched it, you got electrocuted. Oh, did they make so the newbies ch- touch it? <laughs> they, he says that the, there was a lot of new people that touched it. Oh, and, no. But... I forget what it's called, and um, it's not ball lightning, but it's almost like the same. I thought it was called Foo Fighters. So, yeah, I don't know. The the Foo Fighters, I thought, were the, the UFOs that chase the planes, but he said, yeah, it happened all the time, and all it was was static electricity built mm-hmm. up inside the plane. And I'm thinking, okay, if they're doing this to make themselves invisible to the minds it's possible that they tried to generate a giant magnetic field and who knows what would happen if they generated that big of a magnetic field you know maybe it did make the ship teleport who knows right now like time travel it went back in time 10 minutes at the other port and then supposedly reappeared at the original port 10 minutes later it'd be or whatever you know 10 there's a 10 minute gap there when it reappeared the People on the ship had severe burns, had basically gone insane. A lot of them never showed back up. They kind of vanished. Oh, my gosh. And they also say that when it reappeared, people were fused into the ship. Their bodies were actually fused in. They had arms sticking out of the walls and stuff. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, is that true or not? We don't know. But there was a lot of cover-up going on there because they... You know, they definitely were having a lot of experiments going on mm-hmm. during that time in Philadelphia. And that generation. 
they didn't talk about their experiences no. a lot. Not it's not open like it was. These and this days. is right when the era of the UFOs was really taken off. I mean, Roswell happened a few months later. Yeah, it's interesting because in this article, the guy's last name is Stanton, and then Stanton Freeman yeah. was, uh-huh. you know, the first and only civilian in the Roswell case. But I'm thinking, okay, if some of this is actually true, they they do know that the ship had the giant generators on it. They were trying to. build magnetic fields to fight off the mines. What they ended up doing was they would have these giant cables hanging off the ships and they called it degaussing or something like that where they would send out they would hang these wires off the side of the ship and actually make um, like sonar? I want to say 200 amps of electricity or something off the side of the ship so it would disrupt the magnetic field around the ship. Okay. And kill a bunch of fish at the same time. But (laughs) they did do that. (laughs) That was a true thing where they had the wires hanging off sides of the ships and they actually had to degauss the ships on a regular basis because they would get magnetized. Wow. Okay. (laughs) All the ships are like, yeah, all of a sudden they're all coming together. But that was a true thing. And I'm thinking, well, maybe some of this legend is true because if you turned on a magnetic field that if you generate a magnetic field that big, you're going to disrupt the human anatomy. Sure. You're going to make people go insane. Yeah. It'll liquefy you inside, wouldn't it? If you get you too could. close to like heavy magnetics. They, well, that's the thing. They said that these people were had severe burns and all that. I believe that because if you generate a magnetic field that big, you're going to disrupt the human body. And they said they went insane. I can understand that. Because the brain is an electric generating yeah. device. Yeah. And even me, like, I'm not good around magnets. Mm-hmm. You know, people wear those magnetic bracelets and that. Yeah, it's like weird. hematite. I yeah, yeah, I can't. So I believe that some of this story is probably true. Some of it could be a conspiracy theory, but also some of it could be an experiment that they tried. And who knows if it worked. If the thing is, Just, people always say, well. Maybe the government's hiding it and they're not releasing. If it happened, they would be using it. Right. And maybe they are and we don't know. Because they're invisible and we can't see them. Now, there was another thing that the Nazis was working on, and they mm-hmm. called it the bell. And there's stories about this all over the Internet, but they believe that the Nazis were building a bell device that was an anti-gravity device. Oh. I don't understand. Well, no, maybe I do. If they did learn about anti-gravity they can make things like the ufos that travel every direction stops you know start Mm -hmm. they're pretty much anti-gravity to where they have unlimited power i did see a report somewhere i don't know if it was a report or a show that they believe that hitler and uh the the nazis had access to an alien craft and was trying to reverse engineer i think we did too the power source Mm -hmm. and who knows? And that's where they were making the bell, the Nazi bell. And um, it's also called Die Clock. Das Clock? Or Gloke. Die Gloke. Yeah, I don't know how to say that I don't in know. German, but we it's don't the speak bell. German. And you can go and see where they said that they were working on this bell. There's a huge stone circle with legs on it that they mm-hmm. say that was actually holding the bell in place. Wow. Because... When they turned this thing on, 
it just about ripped the whole building apart because it actually was it was anti-gravity and it was actually trying to get out of the building so they said that it worked and hitler had anti-gravity technology but then again if that was the case why did they use it yeah you know why wasn't there evidence of that being used now with that being said we do know that there were tons of ufo claims during the war so were these hitler ships you know I think it's very possible. I think they were trying to do a lot more than we ever imagined that they were doing, experimenting on people and animals and and aliens and, you know, time travel and and telepathy and remote viewing. And I mean, it all ties in. We've got proof that there was remote viewing experiments and that during the Mm -hmm. wars and stuff. But going back to this, the, Philadelphia experiment I don't know if it was true you know it is a good conspiracy theory but there's a lot of evidence that say it was true but there's also evidence to say it wasn't but people say that on their died on their deathbed or whatever mm-hmm. that they were there and they saw it happen I I would totally believe that they were doing experimentation with magnet you know with any yeah. type of magnetic forces I mean like that's just kind of human nature. Like, haven't we always like what, since we discovered magnetism trying to work it, what it does. I mean, we've been trying to do anti-gravity because we see how the UFOs work and we know that those work on anti-gravity. Yeah. Aliens. But, you know, maybe they did make such a huge magnetic field that the ship did disappear and reappear, but I don't know if it teleported because like you said, if they wanted to teleport it, they would have had to have something on the other end where it went. How would they, they... would have have to known exactly where it was going to go? Yeah, because you're not going to like dump a ship on a city street. I know. I mean, that's going to call attention. Now, yeah, you can move it within the water where there's hardly anybody mm-hmm. there at all. But from shipyard to shipyard, just seems a little interesting. And they're both naval bases mm-hmm. with you know secrecy and guards and that. And we know, like I said. We know at that time the military was doing tons of experimental things that we don't even know about. I just had the weirdest thought. How many submarines do you think are currently in the water around the world? Well, we don't know. I'm sure you could look that up. Did you know that there is a website that you can go to and it'll tell you where every ship is, every military Uh -uh. ship? And I'm like, "Uh, I thought the whole idea was... To be undercover. Yeah. Because I Let's worked just with the, tell our enemies where we're at. Yeah, I worked <laughs> with the guy that he was in the Navy, and he's like, yeah, I could tell right where my ship was at all the time. My wife knew, and then I'm like, okay. I'm sure the, the um, I, I'm sure the submarines don't have that because the whole idea of the submarine is to stay stealthy. But the, the Bell, I mean, that there's so many stories of that where it's they said that they used technology that they reverse engineered to make this and apparently when they turned it on it almost ripped the building apart but the thing is that when you go online and you see pictures of the structure that it was supposedly held in they say that it's just the base of a water tower Hmm. and there's others in the area that they are proven that they're water towers but then again if you're gonna hide something Mm -hmm. the best place yeah hiding in plain sight and it was the same thing. They said that, you know, people disappeared and all that, too. Yeah. 
So who knows? I mean, during that time, they were experimenting with so many different things. And we didn't have cameras everywhere like we do now. Yeah. (laughs) And the internet. And the woods. Yeah. Everywhere. Trail cams and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But the Philadelphia experiment has always been a really interesting topic to talk about. And there's, there's uh, like documentation for and against it, but it's just one of those great conspiracy theories that it's fun to talk about. I can't about. believe that's 80 years old. Mm-hmm. That's, I still think like the 70s was 30 years ago. <laughs> it's like 50 years ago. Oh my God. Uh, we're getting old, Joe. But, you know, not to, not to keep saying the same thing over and over, but I believe that when they fired up those generators, and they produce such a huge magnetic field. It is possible that the ship did get engulfed in like a plasma sure. of some sort that was green. And, you know, you've seen it. You can actually make, pla- okay, side note, we're going to go on this rabbit hole. <laughs> you can actually make plasma in your microwave. Huh? Okay, take two grapes. Okay. Put the two grapes on a plate, a microwave safe plate. Make sure they're touching. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like 30 seconds or something. Turn your microwave on and all of a sudden you'll see a plasma ball in your microwave come out of the grapes. Really? I've seen it on the YouTube. The YouTubes. And I haven't tried it because I don't buy grapes. But if anybody's out there, try it. Put two grapes together. (laughs) We're not buying you a new microwave if something (laughs) happens. I'm just disclaiming that right now. (laughs) But what happens is Okay, microwaves are a real wide wavelength. Mm -hmm. And as they travel through the air and they get into the grapes, the structure of the grapes causes the microwaves to compress and get like a sharper wavelength, which heats them up and causes plasma to appear. Try it. I saw it on the the YouTube and... At your own risk. <laughs> it looks pretty ex- um, flammable <laughs> from what I'm looking at. Oh, you've here. looked it up? I'm just um, scrolling YouTube and looking at the thumbnails, and everything looks like it's glowing and on fire, so <laughs> do it at your own risk. So if <laughs> but, you're Mommy, I heard it on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Why did the microwave door fly across the room? Uh, but... Yeah, I just yeah, I just think that if they're going to generate such a huge magnetic field, you're going to get something to happen. And you know, we knew we do know that it's true that the mag- the ships were magnetized and they had to actually demagnetize the ships on a regular basis. But I guess that's better than having the German mines blow yeah. up. Yeah. And the sickness, I believe, could be caused from the magnetic field mm-hmm. or the high electricity like EMF. Exactly. Yeah. Um, burns, same thing. Mm-hmm. People going crazy, same thing. But hallucinating. Hallucinating, and but being fused into the ship, I think that's part of the legend. And I I don't know if it happened or not because I wasn't there, that I know of. I may have been one of the people on the ship that. I still think I'm dead. Yeah. If you guys don't know, just listen to last week's episode. <laughs> Driving home today, I'm like. Miami, I'm I'm dead. <laughs> I'm just living the this life. loop of driving down 75. Uh, so bad today. But anyways, very interesting. I'd like to research a little bit more about this, especially the, the invisibility cloaking type thing, because I know that they have, what is that thing that they came out with that 
Oh gosh, I can't remember the name, but mm. not Ultimate Black, but it's like it's something. I can't remember the name, yeah. but it's so black that you can't see it. Oh really? Yeah. What is that? Oh, you guys, the world's our listeners black. know. What is? It's our T-shirts. Yeah, mm. we are going to um, get some new T-shirts, Joe. Yes, Hopefully we have a new logo. Soon. We got a new logo. The stickers are in. We'll be the t-shirts are coming. Creating our new t-shirts, and you guys, this logo is slick. It's awesome. You guys have got to put this on your car. Stop by our booth at the next convention and get a sticker for your car, your guitar case, yeah. your laptop, your ghost hunting gear box. Absolutely, I am so excited about these stickers and our new logo. Well, Joe. Why don't you and I make ourselves invisible? Yeah. And we'll teleport to w- the taco shop and get some tacos. I would like to teleport to to Michigan Paracon so we don't have to drive. I know. It's a long drive. I was just thinking about that today. I was like, you know, a lot of times people get caught up um, and their flights get delayed or they get diverted to Detroit and have to drive all the way up there. <laughs> Which like, has happened the we'll last, just pick you up on last the way. year. We'll just pick you up. Delta Airlines decided to cancel the flight that goes from Detroit to up there by Sault Ste. Marie. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what's airport, but all the celebrity that <laughs> flew in had to find their own ways up to the convention. Yeah. So if, um, you know, anybody's listening, Ghost Brothers or whoever, just let us know. We'll pick you up on the way. Yeah. In the, the <laughs> 222 tour bus. <laughs> In other words, my Ford Edge. <laughs> or my rental car, just depending on uh, if I get my uh, my car still in the shop, we can take the rental, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got rear-ended like two months ago, and they st- I still haven't got it in the shop. I'm just waiting because they're so busy, and the parts are hard to get, so. Oh, okay. I'm riding around with a broke-down hoopty. <laughs> a that. dented trunk. You know, I just tell everybody a ghost. You had demon in my trunk, and I it smashed it. It <laughs> was trying to get out, and it pulled the did the trunk it was lid like in. the Ghostbusters. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. It's crazy. So I just cut that out. <laughs> you know, I like this. This this is a great conspiracy theorist legend that supposedly happened and supposedly not happened. I don't know. Like I say, it wasn't there, but it's so cool. And we know that they were experimenting with stuff. We know that they're trying to do things to win the war and we know that they were making stealth airplanes and stuff like that triangular shaped airplanes the germans and the united states both tried the uh, flying wings stuff like that and the thing is you think about this like the the u2 spy plane you think it's so modern or even the triangular plane the stealth that, bomber? Yeah. You think it's so modern, but that's like 30 years old <laughs> or 28 years old. I'm telling old. you, when I saw that thing, uh, it was the most bizarre thing ever. Mm-hmm. I saw it flying. It went straight. It was like going down airport highway, right? This is like this main drag in Toledo. And all of a sudden, just out of the horizon, you saw this big, giant, black, bat-looking thing go straight up. And <laughs> I thought I was seeing things. And my mom's like, did you see that? I'm like, holy crap, this is stealth bomber. Uh-huh. It was the most bizarre thing, I'm telling you. And and we know about that. Just think about, 
you know, they've probably been working on that for 40 years, yes, maybe 50 years. That's what I mean. And what are they working on now uh-huh. that 40 or 50 years from now? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. It could be tiny, giant, tiny little pea size alien <laughs> <laughs> technology ships floating around out in Joe's backyard with his his cats, which I did not see the cats or kittens today. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> I usually see them when we're podcasting because I face the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. Yeah, it's just so interesting. I love conspiracy theories like this. I love stories like this because I know there is a bit of truth to them. And all legends have to start with some kind of truth. Yeah, for sure. And if you guys have a conspiracy theory or something you'd like us to dive into and and do a show about, send us a show idea. Put it on our Facebook page or if you want to DM us um, through Facebook, do it through the 222 Paranormal um, Facebook page, not our yes. personal ones, because I get so much. I yes. usually, like might miss it, and I have probably done that. So I've done that too. I, people just bear with us, folks. <laughs> I get so many instant messages that are just like, "Hi, how are you doing?" or just "Hi," or or like today. Okay, so another side note, folks: we're selling our dowsing rods. Yes, I've got them on facebook marketplace yes you guys okay. gotta get some they're so cool and what i did was instead of taking a whole bunch of pictures i just took a bunch or instead of listing a bunch of different ones i took a bunch of pictures mm-hmm. with numbers next to them and i said when you order dowsing rods tell me what number uh what the set number is mm-hmm. so i get a message today is this still available and that's all he said i'm like okay i know that there's like a instant button you can press to ask so I, mm-hmm. i'm like yes it is which set would you like and it's like well, just it said, send me your phone or your cell phone number and address. So I okay. type back, what set do you want? And so they type back, your cell phone number. <laughs> so I get messages uh. all the time that I just delete because you can tell that they're the next it's thing bots. out of their mind. Yeah, the next thing you're going to say is, have you heard about the stimulus package that, you know, I'm like, oh my God. I can't take it no more. Yeah. So if you do send us a message, make it so that we understand that you're actually a real person. <laughs> yes, for sure. All right. And meet us at Michigan Paracon at the end of the ah, month. Yes, I'm so excited. It's coming up on the twenty or the week of the twenty fourth, I think. Yeah. It starts the twenty fourth and ends on the twenty eighth in Michigan. In Sault Ste. Marie, the easiest way to find Sault Ste. Marie is get on I-75 <laughs> and head north until you hit the Canadian border and then back up a quarter mile. Yep. And you're there. Yes. Take a right. And bring a jacket. It's chilly up there. Even though it's August, it's mm-hmm. cold. So. Go to the casino. Go past <laughs> the slot machines. No. <laughs> they do hit poker there, Joe. So I will be playing poker instead of slot machines this year. Video. My luck is much better. Video roulette. <gasps> yes. God, we have fun. You guys, if you haven't been to that convention, you really should think about going. It's Unless so Dave much Schrader fun. sets down next to me and I will not play next to Dave because <sighs> Dave wins too much money. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to meet anybody in the paranormal except for those guys on that one show with the haunted hair that he owns a museum, they never go. But every other show will be at Michigan Paracon. It's going to be a you know, blast. You know who I'm really excited to see? And I hope I'm not like celebrity disappointed because she's never been there. It's Bridget Marquette. It's going to be there. Marquette? I don't know how you say Who's her. Who's that? She's one of the Playboy Bunny. She was on that show and she's oh. the ghosty girl now. She's got the ghosty podcast. And 
the girl that you want to get on the show. Yes. Yes. Women in podcast, sisters in podcasting unite. Um, I will just. Sit I back just want to meet her. I just hope yeah. she's really sweet as she is on TV. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> she probably is. I hope so. Her and I are gonna have drinks. Heck yeah, and. You can interview her. I'll just sit back and let you two girls talk about ghosty stuff. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, now, I remember when we were there and you interviewed Eric Garcia. Mm-hmm. I edited the show, of course, and I realized that my dialogue in the show, it was a 50-minute dialogue, and I think I talked for four minutes. <laughs> okay? Okay. Now, seeing that we're at the end of the show, and you guys are probably not listening anymore, let me play this for you. Tune this out. This is my whole dialogue. I'm not going to play the whole thing, <laughs> but this is my dialogue. A blooper reel. During your interview okay. with Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till tomorrow night when the party hits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> this oh, okay. is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's and oh I love boy. hearing people keep the history alive. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my god. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, because the, the listener or the watcher, they can tell. They can tell that it's in. And that's what separates the people that are just trying to pump stuff out to be. I'm the influencer, you know, and it's like you can tell. Qual- so that's my whole dialogue. Oh, my. I am crying. Four, it's so funny. Four minutes of. Yeah. Uh-huh, that's uh-huh, what I've heard yeah, for the last yeah. seven years, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you want to hear me go, uh huh, uh huh, yeah, yeah uh huh, come to Michigan Paracon. If not Michigan Paracon, we are going to be in Charlotte, Michigan, um, July or. That was last month. July yeah. was last month. Um, September third. <laughs> yeah, September third at the Festival of Oddities. It is a free show in the right down in the middle of town. So yep. go to Charlotte, Michigan on July or. On September 3rd, and come down. It's a free show. Hang out. Talk to us. Get a sticker. Get a sticker. Be on our show. Buy some dowsing rods. Yeah. Chase some ghosts. It's all uh-huh. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Stop it. I'm going to hear that yeah. in my sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. See you. Have a great week. Joey, later, brother. Bye-bye. Let's listen to some sliver from... Dead in five. Goodbye, everyone.